1: Think on your feet for our fast and curious 5K, a one of a kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events.
2: From WBEZ Chicago, this is Nerdette. I'm Greta Johnson, and we have somehow made it to another Friday in the month of March in the year 2021. Coming up, the biggest book nerd I know tells us about some books coming out this spring. She has already read 150 in the last three months. Plus, we'll hear from someone who's managed to make a job out of talking about cast iron pans on TikTok. But first, it's our chat about the week that was, this time with two excellent reporters in the race, class, and communities desk here at Easy. We have Esther Yoonji Kang and Natalie Moore. Hey, you two.
3: Hey, Greta. Hi, Greta.
2: Welcome to the show. I'm glad to have both of you. Um, Obviously, this has been a really rough news week, especially because a couple days ago we learned that a man was arrested after killing eight people in Atlanta, six of whom were Asian-American women. It's the latest in a spike of violence against Asian-Americans, largely attributed to racism around COVID. Um, Esther, you have reported on this violence. You are an Asian-American woman. How are you doing?
4: You know, there's... There's not a lot of time to think and feel how I'm doing. I think yesterday was full of just reporting and deadline and getting the story out the door. Um, I think in the evenings when I kind of have time to reflect, it's it's just really sad. And what I've been doing is I've been looking for more information on the victims and seeing how just how invisible they are, um, even in this story, which is about them. And they are... Um, there's just not a lot known about them because their stories are, I guess the reporters working on this from national media or even local media, they just don't have that language access. And so um, I'm not reading a ton about them. The, the, The most information I've seen is from Korean media in Atlanta. And so they've been doing some reporting. So I've been reading about these ladies and um, some of them some of them were old some of them were like seventies sixties fifties and it <laughs> that always makes me think about my own mom and aunties and people like that so um you really just try to get through it and do the work, but um when you stop and think about it, it's really heartbreaking it really is what do you think, Natalie?
3: What I've been paying attention to is how this is being framed by law enforcement and the media. And it was pretty telling that the onion, which is satire, didn't even do satire this week. The newspaper put the actual headline from the police chief who said that the killer was having a bad day. And we see the same kind of cycle when there's a mass shooting by a young white man, he's still alive and I'm not advocating that he should be killed. Um, but there's, there's safety for this person and there's excuse making for this person. So there's that piece.
2: Um, Esther, one thing I saw That I was curious to get your take on was a a tweet actually from Marina Fang, who's a culture reporter for um, Huffington Post. And she wrote that she woke up thinking about the emotional whiplash of this week, which began with the thrill of seeing so many overdue firsts for Asians at the Oscars and then this. And she said it was a perennial reminder that our existence in this country and in white institutions has always been conditional
4: yeah I thought about that too. I think it's just a weird time to be Asian, you know um, in this country. and there's such high highs this week with um, the Oscar nominations. I think it's something that a lot of Asians have been proud of and um, and then to go from that and just to just a reminder again that we are foreigners in this country, uh, you know, lest we forget. They always find a way to remind us that um, we are seen a certain way. And so, yeah, for sure. And, you know, in addition to what Natalie was saying, um, the cop that said that this uh, suspect, uh, Long, was just having a bad day, um, that cop, you know, he had uh, supposedly on his Facebook page um photos of a sort of a, a T-shirts that were racist um, in nature. They were, you know, uh, scapegoating China for the coronavirus. And he was mocking, mocking it. And, and so those, those, I think those photos were taken down um, after they came to light. But it makes you wonder about the narratives that um, police present uh, in, in, in these shootings that are racially motivated, um, but they say are not. Right. Well, in the idea, I mean, like we all have bad days.
2: Most of us don't kill a lot of people when they have bad days, right?
4: Like, yeah, I just eat ice cream, Natalie. (laughs) I think Natalie, you like uh, peach cobbler or something. Yeah, I had a
3: bad day this week, and I went and got Harolds, and then I had peach cobbler, and then Esther gave me some key lime pie. So that's what I did on my bad day. Mm Yeah, eat. A lot of sugar and carbs.
2: (laughs) Well, I hate to even like have to talk about this topic with each of you, but I am really glad you at least have solid coping skills. I think that's really important. So some better news of the week is that some people are starting to see another stimulus check in their bank accounts. It is the third stimulus payment since the pandemic started, the first one under the Biden administration. It's also the first time that childcare dollars are in there. It's got $40 billion in the form of tax credits for people with kids. You're both moms of young kids. Natalie, you actually produced a story almost exactly a year ago now for WBEZ. About what it was like to be a radio reporter with a kid at home during the pandemic. And Esther, you and your kid were in the story. It was adorable. Let's listen to some of it.
3: I have an interview at nine thirty. Okay? Me too. Y- you have an interview? Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm gonna set you up in your room for you to do your interview and I'm no. gonna do my interview. What?
5: I have to do the interview in the closet.
3: And who are you gonna interview?
5: I'm gonna interview an- Nancy
3: Pelosi. And what are you going to interview her about?
2: Uh, I don't know, but I'm going to find out. So I was curious to ask each of you: Did you all see the the viral moment that happened a couple of weeks ago? With she was like a global health expert um, who was in being interviewed by the BBC, and her kid kind of pops up in the background and starts putting this picture of a unicorn on different sh- like shelves of a bookshelf to like see where it would look best and it got to the point where like the interviewer you know kind of he was like what's your kid's name like they chatted about it for a second he weighed in on where the where the unicorn picture should go (laughs) has either of you had a unicorn on the shelf moment like that esther
4: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, so many meetings like you I'll see, you know, on the zoom, I'll be waving my arm like stop, do not come in because she's about to come through. So there my arm is always perpetually out to, to the to my left side. Um She and there are days that she takes it well, you know, sometimes she'll just quietly back out, close the door and leave. And then there are days when like, she, she needs a Band-Aid or something, and she's about to lose it. And th- those inevitably happen when I'm on a very important uh, interview. And so, oh, for sure, for That's sure. wild. What about you, Natalie?
3: She has not done anything done anything live. So I am grateful for that. So you that. can edit it out.
4: <laughs> yeah, especially when you interview uh, Vice President Kamala Harris, Natalie. <laughs>
3: yeah. You know, it doesn't hurt when you have a cute, precocious kid.
4: (laughs) I can testify she
2: is both cute and precocious. Um, Before I let you go, one of our segments later on in the show is about cast irons. I was curious if either of you has cooked anything delicious in a cast iron pan lately that we should know about. Natalie, I know for sure you like to cook.
3: I have a really good recipe that I love in the cast iron skillet. It's two Cornish hens with bacon, baby potatoes. Brussels sprouts, lemon, and garlic, and you cook it really high, and you cook it in stages. Like you do the Cornish hen for a little bit, and then you add a, you know, you just keep adding things, and it's a, oh. a one pot dish. It's uh, very kid friendly. Teenagers love it. Everybody loves it. So that's my favorite.
2: That's amazing. When I think of one pot, I do not think of Cornish game hens. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing.
4: What about you, Esther? Do you cook much? I do. I do cook. um, But I am kind of afraid of the cast iron skillet. So I have two. And I think I'll need to listen to, you know, your segment with the expert because um, I'm scared to, you know, wash it. And I'm scared to I'm just it's it it intimidates me. And so I have like a really, really big one. And so I'll I'll just cook. I'll just use it like any old um, pan and just cook on on my stovetop with a cast iron skillet but it doesn't mean every time I look at it I'm, I'm not terrified of, <laughs> of the thing. I think there is something about putting it in the oven too that does just feel next level about it yeah, true, true
2: Natalie Moore, Esther Yunji King, thank you both so much for taking the time to talk with me today it was it was a really nice conversation and y'all are just the best
3: thanks for having thank me
4: thank you, it was fun
2: Now that it is almost technically officially spring, we thought now would be a great time to check in with a book nerd about some of the more exciting releases that are coming out over the next couple of months. And one of our favorite book nerds here at Nerdette is Liberty Hardy, senior contributing editor for Book Riot and host of the popular All The Books podcast, which I have to yell every time. She lives in the great state of Maine, where she reads between 500 and 600 books a year. And hangs out with her three cats who hate to read. Liberty, hey!
5: Hi! Thank you for having me back. I'm really excited. Oh my gosh. There's an exclamation mark in my podcast title for a reason. (laughs) Like, I speak in exclamation marks.
2: We're just going to yell about books for the next 15 minutes. It's going to be amazing.
5: (laughs) It it really is.
2: So I'm curious. I feel like we should start, I mean, 500 to 600 books a year. Where are you at so far in your book count? Do you know?
5: Um... I think I'm a little behind this year.
2: Uh, uh What does that mean? Like 150 or something?
5: <laughs> Where are we, March? I think I'm just shy of 150.
2: Oh, that's insane. I think I'm at like yeah. maybe 30. Uh, but, you
5: know, well, whatever. I mean, I don't really do anything else.
2: <laughs> right, right, right. That's what I tell myself to console myself. <laughs> Yeah. Um, okay, so I think we have both agreed that we're going to do this chronologically. Okay. Um, so you have something coming out March 30th, right? What do you got?
5: Yes, I do. So it's Liberty by Caitlin Greenidge, and it comes out March 30th. This is about a woman named Liberty Sampson. She is born a free black girl in Reconstruction era Brooklyn, Her mother is a doctor, which is so unusual for Mm. a free black woman to be a doctor during slavery. But her mother has light skin and she passes for white and she wants Liberty to be a doctor just like her. And she tries to instill in her this love of science. But Liberty's not all that interested. Plus, Liberty's skin is darker than her mother's. So Mm. she knows that it's not going to be as easy for her. When she meets a young man from Haiti, who is also a, a young black man, he proposes to her and says, if you come to Haiti with me, you know I will treat you like my equal and you can have all this freedom and do whatever you want. But he's lying. And when she gets there, she learns that not only does she not have the freedom that he said she would, but all the women on the island are treated like subordinates and property. Ooh. And so she has to learn like what freedom means when you're a black woman and how can she find it for herself
2: wow that sounds really good so the book that I'm probably the most excited about for this spring that I have not yet read comes out soon it comes out on April 6th and it's called Good Company which I haven't read yet I have very high expectations for which sometimes is like not the best actually Um, but it's by Cynthia Dupree Sweeney who wrote The Nest a couple of years ago and which Mm -hmm. I thought was just kind of like the perfect like Rich people behaving badly, like kind of soapy fun read, and so I'm hoping for the same from that one. I haven't read it yet, though.
5: She's so great, right? She's just like the nicest person, and she's—I'm so excited for her next book.
2: Oh, good. Okay, so what do you have next? Oh,
5: so this is one of my very—I mean, I love all these books, but like this is one of my very Mm -hmm. favorites of the year. It's Mm -hmm. Meet Me in Another Life by Katrina Sylvie, which comes out on. April 27th. Um, This is one
2: that you actually mentioned as a recommendation for people who liked The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue when you were a panelist for a book club for that.
5: And if you're, like, jonesing for A Time Traveler's Wife, read alike. I think this Mm -hmm. is a perfect pick, too. It's about two people named Thora and Santi. They meet as young college students. Something happens, and suddenly they meet again in another life. And they have different roles. And the book keeps going back through. They keep regenerating and having the same lives. Well, not the same lives, but, like, they keep being in the same spot. And sometimes they're father and daughter. Sometimes they're boyfriend and girlfriend, husband and wife, teacher and student, doctor and, you know, patient. And so as you go along and they keep being reborn into these lives where they know each other and they have, like, the same people around them in different roles, um, they start to remember things about their past lives and each time they're reborn they remember more and more and you have to find out like why this is happening to them why they are stuck in this one spot i oh i loved it it gave me chills especially the end it made me cry which is very rare
2: so Hmm. Hmm. so this is one that i read after your recommendation and it did not work for me the (laughs) way it worked for you yeah. And I'm not sure. I think it felt to me like, like I love a surprising ending, but I it felt to me like it didn't quite lead up to what it was trying to do. Like it. I don't know. It, there was a weird disconnect for me and I haven't quite figured out how exactly to explain why it didn't quite work. But I get like it's definitely ambitious. I can mm-hmm. at least say that much about it. Like she did a lot in that book.
5: One of the things that I love about it and why I love it even more is that when you go back and read it, it's one of those books where you're like, oh, that's why mm-hmm. that happened and that's what mm-hmm. that means and that's why that person is doing that thing. Because you just are like, oh, these people are just going about, but like they actually mean
2: things, you know.
5: And also, mm. like, if everybody liked all the same books, that would be so boring.
2: You right? don't want to spend the next 10 minutes just, like, fighting about that one book? No, I'm
5: really, <laughs> I'm really bad at, at confrontation, even when I'm correct. <laughs>
2: <laughs> what do you have next? my next book is a book that like I feel like I have to proceed again with the expectations thing by saying that like I had zero expectations for this one which I think does have to do with why I loved it so much but it's called Great Circle it's by Maggie Shipstead have you gotten a chance to check it out yet
5: I haven't but so many people are recommending this one
2: yeah, so it's a pretty hefty book, which is partly what I think makes it so great just cuz like when you find something that's delightful and there's a whole bunch of it, like how, you know, when you mm-hmm. can just like feast on it for days or hours in your case, like how <laughs> great is that? Um it's about two women, one of whom is sort of like an early aviation history pilot lady, and the other is like a modern day sort of like a um gosh what's a good analogy for she's like a she was she is a super famous woman for having been sort of like a teenage protagonist in like a Hunger Games type franchise of movies and since is like kind of trying to rehab her image after some stuff happens and she's asked if she wants to play the pilot lady in like a biopic version of that pilot lady's story so it jumps back and forth and you know I mean this is something we even talked about in our Addie LaRue panel like Often with books like that, there's a timeline that you love much more than the other one, you know? And then Mm -hmm. when you get to the other timeline, you're sort of like, okay, I'll slug through this just because it's worth getting to the other one again. But in this one, like both timelines work equally great. This book kind of has everything. It like spans so many different places and times and themes. And, you know, it's one of those books where you'll read about a piece of art and you desperately want to Google it because you're so interested to see it for yourself. And then you remember like, oh, no, this is fiction. It doesn't actually exist. (laughs) But it's just that well-written that it's just like such a pleasure. I can't wait for people to read that one. Oh, now I'm going to have to read it this weekend. You made it sound so good. read it this weekend. Tell me what you think after it takes you like 10 minutes to get through it. I can't wait. What's next?
5: My first pick for May 4th is Realm Breaker by Victoria Mm. Aviard. Aviard? I don't actually know how to say her name. I'm sorry. Um, It is a fantastic first in a YA fantasy series about... A ragtag group of both humans and immortals. This was so much fun. I I just latched onto this and just loved every second of it. Uh, There's an assassin, a squire, an immortal, and then there's the secret daughter of a pirate and an immortal. And together they're fighting undead armies and monsters and even more things. Because they are trying to keep the pirate daughter's evil uncle from opening a spindle and turning their realm into a world of ashes. And there was something, Whoa. this is a mild spoiler, I guess, if you don't like this kind of thing, but mm. there's something that happened in the middle that made me say, what?
2: Nice. Like, which I hardly
5: ever happens. Happened. I did not see it coming. And I was like, "Wow!" I was so excited.
2: Oh, that's great. That sounds really good. Tell us again what it's called.
5: It's called Realm Breaker.
2: Realm Breaker. Okay, cool. What do you got next?
5: The last one on my list today is Version Zero by David Yoon, and it comes out Mm. on May 25th. It's about a 20-something tech whiz named Max. He works in Silicon Valley for this company called REN, W-R-E-N. They are mm. one of the world's largest social media companies. It's supposed to be like Facebook. Um, and one day when he's working on this project, he discovers that REN is collecting and sharing its users' private information in like very seriously shady ways. And so he thinks he's helping the company by going to this meeting and saying, hey, look, I found this problem. But instead, he is unceremoniously fired from his job and blacklisted Ooh. from all the other tech companies who might have hired him. They're saying, like, oh, you know, he's, he's a problem. Like, obviously, they're covering something up. Uh, so Max's best friend, who also works for the company, Akiko, and his other best friend, Shane, who is Akiko's boyfriend, decide they're going to teach Ren a lesson. You know, they start doing all mm-hmm. different kinds of things, and their technological anarchy has grown to, like, a global scale and attracts the attention of a reclusive billionaire who used to... Be the owner of one of the largest tech companies. He still is, but like he's reclusive. Nobody talks to him anymore. He lives on an island. Um, and it make, also makes them a target hunted by Ren's owners and their competitors who wish to silence them before they make a difference in the world for the better, because nobody wants that. That sounds
2: like a wild ride.
5: It was really, really fun. It is it is quite dark. It reminds me a lot of We Could Be Heroes by Mike Chen, which came out earlier this year, except it's much, much darker. But I would love to see this on the screen. It was really fun.
2: Ooh. Liberty, you just gave us like a gazillion, like <laughs> I'm so excited about all of those books. Yay! Oh, Liberty Hardy, thank you so much. It was really a pleasure to do this with you. Thank you for inviting me. In just a minute, I'm gonna ask a cast iron expert some of my most burning questions. Get it, huh?
0: I'm sorry. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO Original Limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to the Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: Think on your feet for our fast and curious 5K, a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org events.
2: Several years ago now, my mother bought me a cast iron skillet. And while I must note that I am always grateful when my mother buys me kitchen things. Hi, mom. Thanks for all the nice kitchen stuff. I was a little skeptical about the cast iron skillet because, you know, like it's so heavy. The handle gets hot. There's all these weird rules. I was like, is this really an amazing thing? I have come to love it very much, but we thought we would have a guest to help us clear some of that stuff up. He is a cast iron expert. He spends half his time electrocuting rust off vintage bands and the other half making videos about seasoning for his hundreds of thousands of TikTok followers. He is at Orphaned Iron on that app, but he is Matt Bright in real life. Matt, hello.
1: Hey, how's it going?
2: So you are a big believer in cast iron. I personally love it for everything from like searing meat to sauteing veggies, the fact that I can like start something on the stovetop or put it in the oven. I even made cinnamon rolls with it recently. I mean, it is kind of amazing.
1: Yeah, they're very versatile.
2: Is there anything that it's not good for? Like I've heard a lot about acid things that you're not supposed to use, like, you know, tomato sauce or whatever in a cast iron.
1: Right. Some people will tell you not to cook tomato based foods because it'll eat the seasoning off the pan. And Mm -hmm. that really only matters if you're going to leave the pan dirty after you've cooked for hours on end. But if you cook like tomato sauce or something and then wash the pan after you're finished, you're completely fine.
2: So the key is just to be like a clean person is what you're saying.
1: Yeah. Just don't be lazy after you cook.
2: (laughs) Okay. So tell me about seasoning. Like what does that even actually mean?
1: So basically if you have a bare piece of iron or a Mm -hmm. skillet or whatever, Seasoning is literally just a thin coat of hardened or polymerized oil over top of the iron. And that's what makes it nonstick.
2: Aha. Yes. So then how do you season it? You just like heat up some oil on top?
1: Uh, Basically, you would just wash it with uh, Dawn dish soap or whatever to get any previous oils off. And then you would warm it on your stovetop just until it's warm to the touch. And you would put whatever cooking oil you want on the entire pan including the handle on the outside Mm -hmm. and then you wipe off all the excess oil and you bake it
2: and you bake it and how do you wipe off the excess oil like can i use paper towel i've heard that's not good for it
1: um i recommend the blue shop paper towels because they don't fall apart like the white ones do
2: that's a good idea so and you're saying soap is cool huh because like my mother i think would be pretty freaked out to hear you say that
1: yeah soap is not as caustic as it once was and that's where that mindset came from was 60, 70 years ago.
2: Okay, so I have a couple friends who have actually gotten their first cast irons like since the pandemic started. What do you think they need to know?
1: I think a lot of the companies now that have like a pre-seasoning, like Lodge, for example, Mm -hmm. they should just go ahead and strip that seasoning off and redo it themselves.
2: Oh, how do you do that?
1: Well, you can do it a few ways. There's a bunch of like, um, you can use electrolysis tanks, which is outrageous if you only have one pan, but a lot of people just spray their pan with like a um, easy off oven cleaner and then you can tie it in a trash bag for a few days and it'll eat all the seasoning off. And then you just scrub it and reseason it on your own.
2: Is that something that you'd recommend for people who have had a cast iron for a really long time too, or only if it's new and already pre-treated?
1: Yeah, if there's a lot of buildup on stuff, I usually recommend that people strip them and start over.
2: Huh, that's really interesting. I feel like when I use my cast iron, I often end up setting off the smoke alarm. What am I doing
1: wrong? (laughs) That would mean your heat is too high.
2: Oh, okay. But isn't that kind of the point of cast iron? Is that like it takes heat better than say like a... Dutch oven or something?
1: Well, you can you can heat them up if you are going to like sear a steak or whatever. But mm-hmm. usually, low or medium setting on your stove is all you need because cast iron retains the heat so well that it actually stays hotter than a normal pan.
2: So, how many cast irons do you have?
1: I currently have around three thousand.
2: <laughs> I thought you were going to say three hundred, and I was going to be surprised.
1: No, I bought 800 pieces in Tennessee a few months back.
2: Wow, that's really cool. I love that. Well, Matthew, thank you so much. This was really fun to chat with you.
1: Yeah, I appreciate it.
2: All right, that's it for today. Before we go, let's listen to a voicemail from a out listener. As you know, we've been asking for some sort of long-term homework. We're asking you to reflect on something that you started during the pandemic that you want to keep doing on the other side. Let's take a listen. Hey, Nerdette. This is Claire from Dallas, Texas. Um, And one thing that I'm going to be holding on to is that I started doing artwork in the middle of meetings because I've never really been able to focus well when it's just audio happening and so now I do like cross stitching and I crochet uh, I paint by numbers I do little coloring games on my phone um, and especially during like remote meetings that's totally okay nobody's upset about that because they can't even see my face usually um, but it really helps me pay attention so that's something that I'm planning on holding on to. Oh, my gosh. Art during meetings. Claire, I love it. That's brilliant. We would love to hear your pandemic holdovers as well, if you got them. All right. That's it for today. Oh, also, don't forget, Nerdette's Book Club panel chat is right around the corner, so... In addition to the pandemic holdovers, if you have thoughts or feelings or opinions or facts about Piranesi, send them over. We'd love to hear them. Just record yourself on your phone and email the file to nerdappodcast at gmail.com. This episode was produced by me and Isabel Carter. Our executive producer is Brendan Bannazak. We will see you next week.
0: Several years ago,